You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. We've been thinking about the fruits of the Spirit this season. We want to think about like what it looks like to be filled by God. Like, what are these gifts of the Christian life that Jesus promises to us? And how can we, like, enjoy them and receive them as they're happening to us and in us? And uh, the Apostle Paul talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, uh, gentleness, and self-control. And I want to talk about that last one today, self-control. It's kind of a, someone was saying at the five o'clock during the talk back that it's kind of a, even a weird word, the language of self-control. It's kind of hard to wrap our heads around because we're in a life with God. We're not just talking about like trying to control ourselves. We're trying to open up to God, like working in us. And so it's, it's a, uh, it's, there's this weird tension here and I, I'm going to try to work it out with you for the next 20 minutes and I hope you'll talk back after that. I think there's, um, there's this strange relationship between joy and self-control too. And so I want to, I want to get to that. But first I want to admit that talking about self-control feels a little bit like this guy. Like it just kind of reminds me of you know, that version of Christianity that can come across as, like, wimpy or repressed or boring. Um, And I used to be afraid that if I really gave my life to God, that I would be like this, and my life would be boring, and I'd be mostly alone and not doing anything fun with any fun people. And that's not the case That's not true. I think cooperating with God's spirit is really anything but boring and wimpy and repressive. In fact, it will call you into such freedom um, that will take a lot of courage for you to really step into. But this guy is kind of a a characterization of our fear, I think, of what... um, we might not know or understand. Because for real, we live in a culture of great excess. Our our culture really doesn't, like self-control is really not a popular uh, virtue. People are not, they're not talking about like aspiring to be self-controlled. This is 500 pounds of spaghetti in one, one pot. As an Italian-American, I can just relate to that so much. Like, more is more, you know. Less is not more. More is more. But our, our landfills and oceans are filled with trash and clothing and uneaten packages of food from our grocery stores. Most of us have more shoes than we need, more lattes than we need. I know I do. Um, And even if you're not wealthy in this country, we're surrounded by all this excess. And so self-control really isn't 
held up as a virtue. And it's really not a strong suit in my, in my family of origin either. Like I said, my Irish and Italian heritage are like, uh, you know, this sounds kind of overly ne negative because there's a lot of great things about us too, but the family history is kind of laced with like explosive anger and alcoholism and depression and huge amounts of delicious food that will wreck your arteries and um, very sentimental and passionate people. So self-control, you know, I, I can see the lack of self-control in me and my family. So even though I grew up in the woods, I, I feel right at home here in this gritty, violent city where, you know, where you're supposed to be able to say anything you want to say and yell at bikers and um, yell at your kids on the subway. Some of us were yelled at like that. I, I know I was, and it's not good. We're, I think we're, most of us are a little traumatized from that kind of uh, unrestraint. And it wasn't until I met Jesus that I discovered that my deepest needs could be met and I, I didn't have to um, just try and protect myself all the time or, or clamor for substitutes. And I, I didn't have to be afraid of self-control. So early on in pastoring, this verse really hit me like a ton of bricks one time when I was on retreat. And I'm sure you might have heard it before from Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what hit me in on that retreat was this invitation to, like, put all of my longing for joy and peace in the Jesus basket because I was... I was aware that I, I, I grasp for that in other ways, that I was looking to other things and habits and people to, to give me that stuff. And uh, I heard the invitation from God to, to trust God for it instead. And I, so I've been trying to work, test that out ever since, and it's been a good journey. And along the way, it has led me to the book of Philippians as like my favorite book because it's it's really about joy. Joy is like this 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 core. I think he gives us Paul gives us a lot of reasons to be self-controlled in that book, but it's all for the purpose of joy. He even talks about rejoicing like it seems like a million times in that in that book. And so I want to use the book of Philippians tonight to talk about self-control. Because I think most of us need some more inspiring reasons to be good than, like, just being good for the sake of being good. So I'm not just going to preach about, you know, middle-class morality, like the obvious, you know, you shouldn't sleep around or eat too much or drink too much. I think we need some better inspiration to be self-controlled, and I think we have it, even right here in this meeting. I mean, that it's super inspiring to me to um, 
to know the fruits of the spirit for the love of others because we're actually building something together and 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 we're watching each other. You are influencing people way more than you think you are. Your coworkers, your family members, you're leading people. We all are. And I think it's also inspiring to me. It's motivating to to learn self-control for this deeper joy that I think we don't really get when we're when we're just looking out for ourselves and our impulses. So first thing from so I made this little list from Philippians. Um, why would we try to work on self-control or receive it from God? And I think first it's it's for unity. It is for it is for the love of others because we're building something together. The world right now is all about like tearing things down. Um, if you went to school in the United States, you learned how to deconstruct everything, especially in college. Um, we can take everything apart and critique everything so well, and then we're and then we're um, given a way to do it on social media, like the best and like the funniest, most popular stuff on Instagram that my children show me are like making fun of other people. I think it's what memeology and ourselves memeology is all about. So watch out if you're sincere about building something like we're trying to do together, we will be opposed and mocked. But I think it's worth it. People are worth it. And I think this is what God is doing is bringing people together. So Paul writes do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's like a high bar. But then he gives us a good reason why. He says, because Jesus himself did not consider equality with God um, to be something used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and dying on a cross. So Jesus kind of paves away the way for us. He, he, he tests out this theory of kenosis, theologians call it, this emptying, this invitation to empty ourselves of, of selfish ambition and self-absorption so that we can be filled by God. And then Paul said, says that's how we're going to be able to discern what is best if we're looking for God's wisdom and not just our own. And, and part of his argument is that we're not there yet and, and our own resources aren't good enough. Um, he often talks about like how he, you know, he was like the best and the smartest and he, he was the best arguer um, in the, you know, Jewish religious forum and um he had great education and he he had all the stuff that you can use to prop your you know all the credentials and he said it's it's all trash he actually some theologians think he uses s-h-i-t to describe the garbage that his credentials are compared to the righteousness of god that he wants to that he knows that he needs and so he urges us not to think too highly of ourselves and our credentials and our experiences. Um, 
because we need to keep being transformed by God. We haven't arrived yet. We don't have it all together. So I think you gotta re- we got to read this part out loud together. Can somebody read it for us? Our, our citizenship is in heaven. I love that word of comfort he gives us there. But I think his main point is that we're still on the journey. And so we need to be humble. We don't know everything yet. We haven't arrived to maturity in Christ yet. So some of our judgments still need to be tested. We still need to grow. And we had this moment in my cell meeting this week where um, one of us kind of admitted that because there was a bunch of new people in the room. And my friend was, I I think, feeling afraid, um, sort of reacting to being judged her whole life. And so she was admitting out loud that she was kind of judging other people. Like before they could judge her, she was going to judge us. And um, it was a great honest moment. Um, about how we need to keep trusting God to kind of stay in the room, help us work with our fears so that we can learn to trust each other and keep talking to each other. We need to keep working out our faith with one another. And uh, that's part of what Paul is talking about here with people whose God is in their belly. I always thought that was about food, like I think most things are about food. But it's kind of indirectly about food um, because he was speaking to religious people, uh, people who were still really relying on their rule, their religious rules, the Judaizers in the church who who thought that um, even with Jesus in the mix, they thought that we need to like only eat certain things. We can't eat some things and and, uh, we should eat other things. And they were trying to impose these rules on the new Christians, and Paul was saying, no, no, we don't need those rules anymore. Our righteousness and our holiness is in being connected to Jesus, not in getting everything right and following all the rules. So let's go back to this list. I think that Paul is is saying that we should have some self-control with our fear and anxiety, too. And, the, and the, the reason that we can do that is because the Lord is near. We don't have to just run. We, just, we don't have to just let our fears run rampant anymore because we can know God. We can know the power of his resurrection and even the fellowship of his sufferings, meaning we can like deal with the, the, t- the hard things that we're feeling because God is here to help us and can give us a measure of peace even in the struggle. Paul says he's doing a good work in you and is going to bring it to completion. So pray instead of worrying. Take your requests to God. We don't have to let our fear um, lead us around um, and divide us. I, I recently... Um, He talks about contention and contempt kind of uh, tearing us down, which I think is just fears kind of that have been allowed to run wild and settle in. 
And I was thinking about this article I read recently about how since the last presidential election, less people are getting together with their families at Thanksgiving because there's like real divides um, in families. Um, and if you're part of a family, you probably know how hard it is to talk about things when people are on polar opposite sides of the spectrum. And I certainly feel that in my family, my extended family. And uh, it's tempting just to argue. And sometimes that's necessary. But I think that Paul is, is calling us to speak the truth in love so that we're not just we're not just digging a wedge, but we're trying to be transformed and transform, help to transform one another. And love does that. Figuring out how to do that requires some cooperation with God. And I think it requires some self-control around our fear and anxiety. He also says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, admirable, excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. And that just really gets me because there's so much negativity to focus on. But he's calling us to um, not just wallow in that. I think in order to do that, um, we need to know that our presence is important in order to be able to work through our fear and stay in the room with each other and, and fight for justice and peace. And uh, I love how Paul knows about his own importance. I, I think sometimes he comes off a little bit uh, overly self-important. Um, but I think it's a good message for us to like know how important we are Paul often says that he'd rather go home and be with Jesus instead of like dealing with all the shipwrecks and imprisonment and beatings and everything he's going through now. But the reason he stays is because he knows that he's an encouragement to the church. We need him. And I, and I think the same is true of you. Your presence is important. And I think that's why the invitation to some self-control around our tendencies to be afraid and give up and run away because we've been hurt before is a good one. So I think you can tell that mo most of the work I think we need to do around self-control is not just, is, is not as much around what we shouldn't do as what we should do, as what we should make ourselves do. And I think the hardest part of that, at least for me, is not just running on my inspiration, on my moments of feeling great, but on disciplining myself to a regular, to regular mutuality, to accountability in community, to following Jesus every day, whether I feel like it or not. I think a guy who did that and um talked about it was Mr. Rogers. I finally watched his movie, Won't You Be My Neighbor, this week with my family. I was just amazed again that his his message was so simple. And, I, you know, of course, this is why he gets mocked for it. 
but it was so, it, it was just so profound um, about kindness and self-control for the sake of love. And it was all rooted in the truth of our belovedness as people to God. He was trying to help children know that they're important and that they're loved. And I think that's where any motivation to self-control comes from. I really like the Velveteen Rabbit story here um, because it's this, uh, you know, it's the story of uh, the stuffed animal that gets its hair all loved off and the eyes pop out and, you know, it's ugly, but it's real because it's so loved by this child. And I think it reminds me that we are fully accepted by God regardless of our failures or particularities, our gender, our race, our sexual preference, our family history, our work history, our mental health, our physical health. In all of that, we are beloved. You are beloved. You just are. And I can't even explain why, but I just, but I know that nothing is going to change that. Nobody can take that away. So I, I fell in love with a poem in high school that brought up all my struggles around trying to be self-controlled so that I could be good. Um, and I want to offer it to you in closing even though it's kind of an example of like bad theology or worm theology, like I, I like to call it, like it's a little self-condemning and desperate, but I think we're like that. <laughs> I think we can tend to be like that sometimes and we need to hear the truth about ourselves in Christ to that desperation um, because that's what, you know, that's what makes us think that we just have to control our, selves a little harder or work a little harder to get God's love, but it doesn't work like that. And so I hope we end up where the poet does, where he realizes that it's just in surrendering to God's love, basically, that he's going to find himself and get the help he needs. So let me read it to you. It's in that old English. Batter my heart, three-person God. For you as yet but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend, that I may rise and stand, overthrow me, and bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. I, like a usurped town to another do, labor to admit you, but oh, to no end. He's fighting with himself. He can't let God control him. But reason, your viceroy in me, me should defend but is captive and proves weak or untrue. He can't even defend himself. Yet, dearly I love you, and would be loved fain, but am betrothed unto your enemy. Divorce me, untie, or break that knot again. Take me to you, imprison me, for I, except you enthrall me, never shall be free, nor ever chaste, except you ravish me. Let me pray for us, and then we can talk about it. Jesus, thank you um, for the reminder that 
self-control is a gift from you. We can we can work at it, but um, we're not going to muster it up perfectly because it's your righteousness that we need and you've given it to us freely. So um, help us to live in that freedom even as we work toward unity and loving one another better and, and disciplining ourselves um, to have a life together in you that can be shared. Help us, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.